Well, good evening all. It is good to see you all here tonight at Grace Baptist Church. We're going to have a good time tonight. This is fun. Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 3. We're not at 4 yet. Acts chapter 3. You can't expect miracles. Get it? Get it? <laughs> All right. Acts chapter 3. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for these faithful people. Thank you for Grace Baptist Church. And just our opportunity to gather together, to see our friends, to be with our family. Lord, it's such a wonderful thing to worship together. Lord, please help us as we study this passage tonight to get a new insight. In Jesus' name, amen. This is, this passage is, we looked at it this morning of the, the lame man that was healed. And I had one of my commentators who shows the, a picture of salvation from this. And I thought it was so good I would share that with you tonight. So, let's see. Let's start, let's read this whole account. We'll start reading in verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, who they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. So in this text, I want us to see a picture of salvation. Number one... The sinner is born completely helpless. The Bible says in Psalm 51.5 that, that I was born in sin and conceived in iniquity. We are without strength, the Bible says. We are, we are sinners in desperate need of a Savior. And if you look at verse 2 again, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. So he was completely helpless. He had to be laid at the gate. So the first thing is, all sinners are completely helpless before God. If Jesus Christ didn't reach down and save us, none of us could ever be saved or have even have any hope of salvation. That's number one. Number two, his mother was connected with this. So he was, he was um, lame from his mother's womb. Look at Job. Keep your place here. Look at Job 25. Job chapter 25 and verse 4. 
How then can man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? All of us. How many of you are born of a woman? Any of you born of a woman? How can we be clean? Only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Completely helpless, and it's connected with our birth. Number three, back in Acts 3, verse 2, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. So notice where he is. He's outside of the dwelling place of God. He's outside of the dwelling place of God. Hold your place in Acts. Go to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22, look at verse 12. Revelation 22 and verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according to his work, according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. So this is the New Jerusalem. For without, look at this, are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So what the Bible is saying is the only people that can go into the New Jerusalem are anyone that is saved. You, can't, you cannot go in, and who are the people that are without? Well, the way that they're described is pretty rough. Dogs, sorcerers, whoremongers, murderers. And that's the same thing as Revelation 21.8, right? Look at Revelation 21.8. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So th this condition of the beggar, he's completely helpless. He's helpless from his mother's womb. And he is outside the dwelling place of God with no way to get in. He doesn't have access. Not only that, but he is a spiritual beggar. Who, verse 3, seeing Peter and John... Uh, to go into the temple, asked an alms. And we're reminded of, of, of blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. Just That's us. We're just blind beggars. There's nothing that we can do. We are lame. We are incapable of coming to God. That's the state of the world. But not only that, he expects something from Christians. Look at verse 5. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Uh, I've mentioned before, some of the high schoolers might not have heard it. I got into a fight when I was a senior in high school. And I was, um, I'd been trying to give the gospel to this guy. And he was a guy in my Christian school who claimed to be an atheist, so I'd really been trying to befriend him and talk to him. And so we were playing volleyball and gym or whatever, and so I got into a fight with a guy. And the worst part is I lost. But not only that... But this, my friend came up to me afterwards, this atheist, and he said, if I ever am a Christian, if I ever do become a Christian, I hope I'm not like you. How about that? Folks, people expect something from Christians. When you have a testimony out in the, the culture, as a member of Grace Baptist Church, as an evangelical Christian, as a born-again Christian, 
Have you ever heard somebody say that? You're not one of those born agains, are you? You're not going to start preaching to me, are you? Well, when we live that way, when people know that's who we are, they expect something of us. And this man, he knew who Peter and, and John were. He knew who those Christians were. He expected something from them. He wasn't looking for a spiritual awakening. He wasn't looking for a physical healing. He just wanted some money. But he did expect something from Christians. Then, look at verse 5 again. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Just like all the people you know out in the world, he doesn't know what his real need is. They think they need something else. They think they need a new president. They think they need a new job. They think they need a new wife or a new husband. They think they, think they need a new living circumstance. They need something different, but what they need, what they need is salvation. There's a, I think it was a Yogi Berra quote, wherever you go, there you are. And there are people that move, they leave a job, they go to a new job, and what they find out, they are actually in that job. And they bring all of the problems that they had in other places, they bring that with you, with them. There are many people, they get married over and over and over again, and they bring the same baggage into the third marriage that they brought into the first marriage. They behave in the third marriage the same way they behave in the first marriage. They don't understand what they really need is they need a new heart. They need a new way of thinking, a new way of living. They need to become a new man. They need the new man in Christ. Just like this beggar, he thought he just needed money. He didn't need money. He needed Jesus Christ. Then, verse 6, I love this. This is probably my favorite part of this. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Salvation is better than money. It is better than money. It's better than health. It's better than relationships. Salvation is better than anything. That's why Jesus Christ said, you have to leave father and mother. You have to, you have to be willing to, it, it, you, it's got to look like you hate them compared to me. Because they will think that you do. When you can't come to every family get-together because you've got church activities, because you have spiritual duties that you have committed to, they're going to start thinking that you hate them. You don't. You just love Jesus. You love Jesus, and the eternal souls that we are trying to affect are worth it. Then, number eight, any born-again child of God can pass salvation on to others by word of mouth. Silver and gold have I none. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Every one of us can give the gift of salvation to someone else. No, they have to receive it. But God, through us, is offering that gift. Hold your place right here. Some of you already know where I'm going. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, or to know, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. So just as Peter could say, silver and gold have I none, such as I have, what did he have? He had Jesus. Anybody have Jesus in here? Give him to somebody else. Give Jesus Christ to someone else. 
So any born-again child of God can pass salvation on to others by word of mouth. Then number nine, salvation is instantaneous. Salvation is instantaneous. We mentioned this this morning, but go back to Acts chapter 3, verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. It happened immediately, and salvation happens immediately. I'm so thankful that I didn't have to do this process in order to get saved. Because, you know, a lot of people wouldn't make it. Right? People can get saved who don't have good character. Right? Christ didn't come for the, for the, the just. He came for the unjust. He didn't come for the well. The physician doesn't come for the well. He comes for the sick, and he heals them. Praise God for that. So salvation is instantaneous. But I love this one. Number 10, the new convert must stand before he can walk. Look at verse 8. And he, leaping up, stood and walked. He stood and walked. A good thing for you to do is go through your New Testament and look up the word walk. And look what the Bible says about your walk. But the first thing you have to do is stand. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15, look at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye what? You stand. You stand. When, when you're standing on the promises of God, when you're standing on what he has given you, not on anything that you've done, then you can begin walking in the Spirit. Right? There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, you can't walk after the Spirit until you're saved. You can't do that. And so this, this new convert has to walk. <clears throat> then, look at number 11 here. After he gets running, he can praise God better. Verse 8, And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. So the the longer you walk with Christ, the better able you are to praise him. Right? Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. At some point your testimony has to get beyond that. Now praise God if that's where you are. But you know like the whole 1 John chapter 2 passage, I write unto you little children because you know that your sins are forgiven. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I want you to know him that is from the beginning. When you know him, not when you've overcome the wicked one. See, overcoming the wicked one, the focus is on your accomplishment. Knowing God, it's on him. And when you know him, you can praise him better. That's the goal. That is the goal. But then, this testimony of his healing was very public. It was very public. When someone gets saved, when you get saved, the people around you ought to know it. Amen? People need to get back to making a public profession of their faith in the Lord, and that's what happens in baptism. Praise God for that. And then, I love this. Look at verse 11. And as the lame man, which was healed, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. You know what a, you know what a person gets saved? You know what they need to do? 
they need to hold on to the people that lead them to the Lord. They need to walk with them. They need to be discipled. They need to spend time with them. And notice that's exactly what was happening in the early church. So, Acts chapter 2, verse 46, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. So they're together. They're together constantly. Uh, I honestly think the only reason you all want to have Sunday night is so that you can all come and see each other. It's just, it's just good to be together. Amen? It's just good to be in the house of God. When you've had a hard week and you can come together and somebody says, how you doing? And they say, man, it's a rough week. It was a rough week. And you can talk and laugh and, you know, buck up, buttercup, you know, whatever you're going to get from somebody. And just, it's just good to be with God's people, to laugh and smile and commiserate and just just be together, but also to see how believers interact. And a new believer needs to be around people who have been saved for a while. How do they act? How do they behave? Do they all talk to each other in King James English? What are they, what, what's going on? I, I was uh, meeting with Abby Goins, getting ready for her wedding, and Laura was coming in with us. And so as I was walked by Laura, I said, comest thou hither? And so I, I, that's what I told Abby. When you have a Christian home, you've got to use King James English. And she, she's just looking at me like, what are you talking about? But it's, it's just, it is, isn't it good to be with God's people? And this is such a beautiful picture. But not only that, when a person gets saved, his conversion can lead to the conversion of others. Verse 10, And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. People are amazed when people's lives are changed around them. You know, imagine a drug addict gets saved and their life is completely changed. Their family won't have any idea what to do. I, I have had people tell me that they were a drug addict, they get saved, and their family liked them better as a drug addict because they weren't preaching to them and trying to get their life straightened up. Isn't that interesting? But what also is interesting is that when a person gets saved, and God does a miraculous work, it's an opportunity for other people to hear and believe. And later on in, in chapter 4 and some other places, people start coming to Christ. In verse 19 of this same chapter, chapter 3, repent ye therefore and be converted. And so he's able to preach unto this. And they're put in jail. Chapter 4, they're put in jail for doing this. Chapter 4 and verse 1, and as they spake unto the people... The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Sadducees don't like the resurrection from the dead, so they put them in jail. An angel gets them out and says, hey, go back to the temple and preach. Go back to the temple and tell the people. Look at what it says in verse uh, 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. So later on they are, is it chapter 4 where that's done? No, this is the sermon that he continues preaching. It's chapter 5 where they're put in prison. But as they are studying and preaching and doing this work, it's just amazing what happens when you lead somebody to Jesus Christ. You lead them to Christ and things happen. Amen? Let's do that. 
How many of you think we need to see more of that at Grace Baptist Church? So how do we do that? Remember what we saw this morning, back in Acts chapter 3, who seeing Peter asked alms, verse 4, and Peter fastening his eyes upon him, we've got to see the people around us. We've got to see their need. We've got to see them as lost souls. We need to see them as people for whom Jesus Christ died and for whom you have the message. I have the message that they need. And we have to tell them. Why? Because we have something. Silver and gold have I none. Such as I have, give I unto you. I have Jesus. Do you have Jesus? Let's give him to somebody else. Amen? Let's all stand together.